I think each of us has works with fear in a different way, especially at different times in our life, maybe even different times of the day, depending on how much coffee we've drunk. And so I'm, I'm interested to just hear from you how you work with your fear in terms of making it conscious, how you relate to it, what kind of stories you attach to it, how you observe yourself with regards to those stories, you know, whether they're true stories or false stories or any, any, anybody have anything to share about fear, about how you're working with fear. I can't see uh, everybody right now. So if you put your hand up, keep it up and, and otherwise just start talking. And if, if everybody's too afraid to talk about fear, then I've got my answer. <laughs> I mean, I, Jeff, just a second. I mean, I'm, I've, I've had to confront my own fear to talk to you guys because you guys are all edge workers. You guys are all geniuses. You're powerful people. You've got swords of clarity. You've got agendas. You have issues. You've got like this powerful forces and we're opening up to, to try to be human together here. And in this space where we're, we're addressing some of the most delicate and precious issues of being a human being, there is fear involved. And so mm, I have no strategy. I have no tricks, you know, really. I've got no def defense about, um, about representing the the ideas that we're talking about because you know it's been printed in black and white and sent all around the world for 10 years already so it's difficult to deny that i i said these things you know, at some point so that's and there's fear there so jeff what do you got hey everyone good day good morning good evening um thanks for for having me on again i i wanted to share about fear uh last week uh, well, first of all, I haven't really fully defined my destiny, but I know that part of my destiny is to help people reconnect with their feet and rebuild relationships with their feet. And that's sort of what I do um, in my life uh, through Instagram and social media. And so I was invited to lead a meditation uh, for a group called Autonome, which does daily meditations on, uh, through Zoom. And... Uh, for the first time in a very long time, I felt this overwhelming sense of fear about um, doing it because I've never, you know, I've never turned my work into a meditation. Uh, I've never ever really done that. And to, to do it on, on such a, uh, a big stage, a virtual stage was um, definitely brought up a, a lot of fear. And I was kind of resisting, you know, taking the time to to, 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 to work on it. I was just like, Oh, I'll just wing it. This is how I do it. And then finally I channeled the fear to, um, to drive me to take action, to take notes, to practice and work with the people that I'm living with here, the amazing creators here to, to do it. And, um, the, the most interesting part and the reason why I wanted to share is that when I got on the call, I actually, uh, started to talk about this fear and connect with the viewers 
through this through this sharing of the fear itself and it you know i couldn't see anybody because it was webinar style so i couldn't you know i couldn't see any any of the of the people on but what ended up happening was um some really powerful uh feedback and responses from from attendees um and, and you know i the point is that I think that you know the feeling of fear is a powerful, obviously a powerful driver of action, and it's also an amazing tool to to connect um, all the feelings. Sharing them is a great way to connect with people and to um, use that vulnerability to to, um, to to get to a different level of intimacy with people that you don't even know. And I, I'm really grateful for having done this work because that's sort of what gave me the insight to to use that and not just feel it, but actually express it. Thank you. Ethna, go ahead. And then Susanna Hutzler. Yeah, I've been in a liquid state um, for the better part of a week now. And one of the predominant emotions I've been experiencing with this is fear. Um, fear of not knowing who I am or where I am or where I'm going from this. Uh, all I know is that like my old paradigm and old way of thinking and being is not, it doesn't fit anymore. And I am terrified of being in the situation in which I don't know what does fit me or I don't know who I'm going to become. And I'm trying to harness this fear to like propel me forward, but it's definitely something that I've been struggling with. Thank you. Uh, Susanna next and then Habet. Um, yeah, um, I connect my fear, lately I connect my fear uh, together with joy. I found out that I'm, uh, when I'm creating, I'm in a fear-joy state. So it's probably more emotional. I, it just, I just found it out lately that it's not pure, pure fear. And this drives me forward during creation phase. And this is a very strong motor for my ideas and having plans and getting more and more and more ideas. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Habet, what do you, what do you, what's up with you in fear? Yeah, I have a nightmare since three nights about my practice ETP. I, I dream all kind of versions of it, like that I'm messing it up completely, that I'm too slow, that I forget everything, that I don't know how to introduce the exercise. And I, I, I am, I'm dreaming of all kind of shit that could happen there. <laughs> and what I'm doing is like in the morning I wake up and that's the first thing I think about, right? Like to, yeah, what, what I need next, what I need to know, what, what I didn't do properly or what I did not understand yet. So uh, I'm training to use my fear instead of, because actually my gremlin is holding me back saying, no, you cannot do that. You, you're not able that, that you're going to mess that up completely and everybody will be disappointed will think what a waste of time and so yeah I'm I'm very hard 
uh, trying to 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 use the the new map of feelings and see okay i care about this i, I just want to be precise and clear and that's why this fear is coming up uh, yeah that's how i explain that to myself and i have this scarcity of do i have enough this do i have enough that do, do i have enough paper the things that i would never think of in other occasions but now it matters like oh all kind of detail matters and yeah I, i'm i'm getting used to it I, I didn't i didn't know that before thank you i see more hands up and i i'm going to make a proposal i'd like to ask and chloe if you can throw us out into pairs groups of two can and i, I want a yes or no i don't want you to do it yet okay and so uh, the proposal is that we'll be suddenly divided up with a partner. And I realize there are some people who don't have their video on, and I would ask everybody to put your video on. So I, this may be a little chaotic, so I'm warning about the chaos. But I would invite you to do this experiment with whoever you're thrown into the partnership with. One of you goes first. And, and for a couple of minutes, just do a couple of things. The things are, tell the person across from you what, what makes you afraid of intimacy, of connecting. What makes you afraid of connecting? What makes you afraid of connecting with that exact person who's, who's sitting there, right there with you in the conversation? So what makes you afraid of connecting in general? What makes you afraid of connecting with that exact person? And doing what Habet said, which is then use the fear to do a little experiment of, you know, I would love to talk to you more, but I don't know. I, I need you to promise not to tell anybody else. Something like that. So you negotiate. You, ne you know, use your fear to negotiate what could make it possible for you to be more intimate with that person, more connected with that person. You get this? So we're doing three things. You're gonna be connected with some person, try to work it out, whoever it is, just say hello. One of you goes first. You say first what, can, what you're afraid of in connecting with anybody about connection, what you're afraid of with connecting to that exact person. So this is a kind of radical honesty. You know, I'm, I'm afraid to connect with you because you're a man and I'm a woman. I'm afraid to connect with you because I don't know who, I don't know you. I'm afraid to connect with you because, because I'm, I'm in a liquid state and I don't, I don't know how to connect with somebody when I'm in a liquid state. So I don't know how to do this. I'm afraid. I'm not afraid to connect with you like that. So you find a personal reason why you're afraid to connect with them and then use your fears intelligence to do a little experiment in connecting more with that person right there. And then and Chloe, after about five minutes, four or five minutes, and Chloe will send a message, you just change roles, and then we'll bring you all back in eight or nine minutes from now. Any questions about that? All righty then. Mrs. Wizard, please send us out there.
I see people are coming back in. I see some smiles, some frowns. I see some neutral faces. I have no idea what's going on for you. Does anybody want to, without using up too much time, can somebody say anything? Anybody want to share anything, how that was? Naomi, go ahead. I was with Kay and we both, we've been talking outside of the session and we feel very comfortable with each other. So there was not very much apparent fear in the now, but me imagining going to her and that place where she lives and all the experiences she had, uh, she has made me feel very alive, uh, fear of like, oh, can I do that? I'm going to be so challenged, what would happen? And it was nice to notice how alive it made me feel. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody else? Who, who, I, I didn't see hands, you have to keep them up. Callista uh, and then Catherine. First Callista and then Catherine. I was paired with Clinton and I have tears of joy because I, with the experiment, have the freedom to be and to express myself. I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you. I was working with Janet and I found it to be so enlightening and I wish life was like this every day where people actually shared what they were really feeling that stopped them from being together. It was, and one a 10 second story, I saw a play many years ago with two dining rooms. It was a dinner party with about a dozen people and one dining room, they were just talking and the other dining room was what they were really feeling and thinking and they didn't share any of it. And I said, I, this is so hard for me because I like to live in the dining room where people actually share what's real. But I live in a world where people are faking it around me and I'm being real and it scares them and it's, it's very awkward. So I loved and it, was, it brought a lot of tears immediately when Janet was sharing what she was really feeling that stopped her from letting us love each other. And I loved it. I think that is so powerful. And it reminds me to just give people space that most humans are probably terrified of meeting me or anyone. And so it was just wonderful. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate Janet for being real and sharing what stops her. And it just helped me realize what other people might be actually feeling. So it was very wonderful. Thank you, Clinton and Janet. Thank you. <clears throat> I just want to propose, I want to, if you will, this next week, during the week, a number of times, tell people you're with what's blocking you, what you're afraid of that's blocking you from loving them. If you will do that, just put your hand up. Just keep it there. If you will do that experiment so, several times during the week. Don't have to. I'm just saying if you, if you, this is cool. Great. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. Was there anyone else who wanted to share about the breakout room experience?
Uh, I would like to share, Clinton. Sure, go ahead. So Mia negotiated with me and she told me her fear for me is of my gremlin. And she, she told me she liked it that I step up and took more responsibility and it helps her deal with, my, with her fear from my gremlin. And I think this is crazy. Like, I, I don't know how many people in my life I, I pushed away because of my gremlin, because of my gremlin not being on a leash and being big. And I feel like it's a breakthrough for me to, to understand that by like taking more responsibility, I can actually bring people closer to me. And, and, and like negotiate that fear that people have for me to not get closer to me. Thank you. Thanks, Dor. Clinton? Yes, Michelle. So I've been in pretty much liquid state for a few days now or actually months off and on. And I shared with Jeff and my fear. Like, I'm just so fed up with rules and dogma and how it should be and, and I shared with him that my fear is, is that I, I'm having a hard time verbally expressing it. So the energies, the, the, what I feel, what I feel, what the experiences I'm having are making, are somehow I'm more and more quiet. And the fear I have is not, being able to connect verbally and, and that that's what society wants. And I'm so tired of that. So part of it. And did you do the third part, Michelle, <laughs> which was to use your fear to do a little experiment or try, you know, use the intelligence or courage from your own fear to try something different with Jeff when you were talking to him. Did you try that at all? I can't remember. I feel, I think, I think we decided that there was more pending call around that, around the things. Mm -hmm. See, that happens too. There's many things I can't really remember right away. And I have a lot of fear around that. Mm. I realize I've changed and I have fear and I'm also joyful because I'm, I've changed so much, like mm -hmm. deconstructed somehow. And I have fear around what's coming and maybe this is, and so where is everybody to share it? Like where is everybody? 
It's so big. I would like to just offer you a little encoded message, which is something like, please remember that you're in a human form and archetypal energies don't have so much respect for that, but you're the one with the dial down. And so you can turn the volume down. You don't, you don't have to turn it off, but you can just turn the volume down so that it's manageable in your human form. You have the control, you have the volume control on that, the intensity control, okay? Where, where do you have that located in your physical domain? Where do you have that uh, dial located? My solar plexus. Okay. So you might want to turn it down to half right now. You might want to turn the volume down to half right now. Like that. And you have control of that. And it's not a... It's not disrespectful to turn it down. Cool, thank you. Thanks for doing that. Thank you for sharing, Michelle. Is there anyone else who wanted to um, share anything about that? Okay. All right. I would like to start reading. I'm on page 64, section 3E. It's called A Rite of Passage. And since I've written the book, I've, I've learned a lot about that stuff. And I don't use the term rite of passage anymore. I use the word initiation. And the word initiation to me means a procedure that you go through, a pro any process that you go through after which you're capable of being more responsible. So an initiatory process in builds the thing in you that allows you to be more responsible. And it's, if you look at your life the last few years, for example, it's pretty straightforward. To, to see that you can take actions, you can respond, you can, you can ask questions, you can take care of yourself, you can create more uh, higher quality or different sorts of things than you could before. And this, this is, has to do with the initiations that you've gone through, the, the matrix building processes that you've gone through that allow you to be more responsible. I mean, you can think of it when you have a job that you want somebody to do for you and you have several people in front of you who, who are volunteering or offer to do the job, you, you will probably pick a person who has, you're scanning for their ability to be responsible in that domain. So it's easy, you don't, you can pick three, between three, four, five people, you go, the job goes to you, you're the one who could, you could be the space holder for this job. And what you're scanning for is the person's matrix, 
which is holding the consciousness that they have for them to be more responsible. Respo responsibility is applied consciousness. It's like responsibility is your consciousness in action. And so an initiatory process is any process after which you are more aware. And then can sh that awareness shows up as in a practical way as your ability to be responsible. So that's what I mean by initiation. And I've been using that term rather than a rite of passage because a rite of passage has uh, other meanings attached to it that don't really have the power and clarity of the term initiation. I'm reading from the book. Our culture does not promote the idea of individuals going outside of the culture to learn things that the culture itself does not provide for us. So our culture doesn't promote that idea to go outside the culture to get things that the culture does not provide. That means our culture is synclastic. So I put it in synclastic, which is synclastic means that, our, that modern culture structurally turns in on itself like a Mobius strip or a Klein bottle, if you know what a Klein bottle is. It's like a three-dimensional Mobius strip. Western culture has only one surface and therefore has no way out. There's no way out of modern culture. Through planet-wide media coverage and profit-oriented corporate strategies, the no way outness of modern culture seeks to subsume all remaining outposts of diversity. And an example is the way a Starbucks company moves into a small town in Germany, sees that the best location for their Starbucks coffee shop is already occupied and not for sale. So they go down the street to a small coffee shop, buy that coffee shop, put in a Starbucks, undersell the, uh, the good coffee shop with the Starbucks coffee shop until this business goes out of business and then they buy that location. So this is a Starbucks expansion strategy and you've seen Starbucks take over coffee shops all over the world like that. So it subsumes all remaining outposts of diversity. This is how it's, it's going. This is called standard business practices. It's called making a profit. I keep reading. Modern Western culture does not have to be designed this way. Western culture could be designed so as to promote its members going outside of the culture to learn more than the culture has to offer and then bringing what was learned back into the culture to enhance cultural diversity. Instead, Western culture is designed to be synclastic, turning on itself as a way of defending itself. You cannot get out. You may try going to the edge of modern culture to get out, but by stepping over what you imagine to be the edge of your culture, you will find yourself right back in the middle of the culture. Take, for example, army surplus clothing or faded blue jeans. Hippies used to wear army surplus clothing and tattered blue jeans as a way of being counterculture. At first, the hippie clothing was distinguishing and offensive. 
but modern culture subsumes revolutions by transforming them into marketing trends. Army surplus clothes and stonewashed tattered jeans are now manufactured in third world sweat houses and accepted in the highest fashion circles worldwide. What was once a revolutionary idea has become an institution that defends itself against revolutionary ideas. We are trapped in ways far more perniciously than we can imagine. This idea of uh, that a revolutionary idea has become an institution that defends itself against revolutionary ideas. I got that idea from a little film it was back in the 1970s or something called Why Man Creates. It's a 20 minute film. You can find it on YouTube called Why Man Creates. And it's a great little film. I keep reading. This makes becoming authentically masculine or authentically feminine within a patriarchy particularly tricky. The proposed method for accomplishing our aim will therefore be nonlinear. The aim being to be becoming authentic. If you research the process of becoming a woman or a man in other cultures, in other ages, sooner or later you will encounter the idea of a rite of passage, which I would call an initiatory process or initi initiatory processes. I will say this sooner or later, so I may as well say it now. I, I don't know if you're there, Anne Chloe, and can throw this into the chat room for people, but I would highly recommend if you're interested in this that you read uh, uh, two books by Martin Prechtel. One is called Long Life, Honey in the Heart, and the other is called Teachings of Secrets of the Talking Jaguar. Secrets of the Talking Jaguar and then Long Life, Honey in the Heart are two really incredibly powerful books written by Martin Prechtel as his first-hand experience as a young man inside of Mayan cultures in Guatemala. So I just, I would have to say that at some point, so I may as well say it now. The Traditional older cultures provided their people with a clearly defined and formidable, sometimes horrific, parentheses, as in the case with scarification or female circumcision, end parentheses, initiations from childhood to adulthood. Modern culture does not. For a clear, here we go for a clear personal story of the conflict between the rite of passage tradition and Western civilization, please also read Maladoma Patrice Somme's inspiring book called Of Water and the Spirit. Of Water and the Spirit. It's also translated into German. It's a uh, amazing, also amazing book. The closest thing we have to a, an initiation into adulthood is, in modern culture, is getting your ears pierced or getting your driver's license. 
And if you ever commute during rush hour, you will observe that successfully obtaining a driver's license does nothing to increase a person's adult behavior. What is an initiatory process to adulthood? What is it? An initiation is the activation process for bringing a human being into the wisdom of responsibility and consequence. As children, we are accustomed to making guesses, messes, sorry. As children, we are accustomed to making messes and not having to clean them up. Western civilization is significantly irresponsible. As a culture, we are a culture of children because we make messes with no intention at all of ever cleaning them up. For example, nuclear waste, depleted natural resources, the national debt, greenhouse gases, children on Ritalin, plastic packaging materials in the ocean in a higher concentration than plankton, and so on. The assumption is somebody else will clean them up. This is a childish assumption. When human beings are approximately 15, and I've, I've said more likely, more lately, 18 years of age, we are structurally capable of taking a huge step in responsibility. The child part of us wants to avoid responsibility and keep making messes without facing the consequences. I'm saying in a side measure that if you, if you use that, just that, wanting to make messes without facing the consequences as a, as a test, you'll, you'll discover easily that many people high up in hierarchical structures in corporations and in nations and in religions are, are wanting to stay child because they want to make messes and have no responsibility for the consequences. I'm still reading now. If nothing is done to change this, then the child part of us will remain in control for our entire lives. And I was recently speaking with a gentleman today who confessed that he lacks the true experience of being an adult man. He lacks a reference point even for what an adult man might be, what it should be, what it could be, what is an adult man. He just is missing that as an experience. And I don't know what that's like for a woman, but definitely for a man, that is the case in modern culture. Um, so if nothing is done to change this, then the child part of us remains in, in control for our entire lives. So that's what, that's what we're recognizing. We're recognizing, oh my God, I, I'm, I have the possibility of becoming a man, and yet I don't know what that is. Therefore, I, the child adolescent part remains in charge. So a rite of passage, an initiation, is the formal, irrevocable procedure through which the child part of us is permanently taken out of power, permanently taken out of power. 
I, I just want to pause for a second because there's a, I don't know if I mentioned this in here, but there's been a damaging uh, meme from psychology that has to do with, it's called the inner child. It's like protecting the inner child or healing the inner child or um, putting, giving the inner child responsibility in your life somehow, or even presence in your life. So what, what this book is saying is that the inner child's already running things. It's already making messes. It already has no idea about taking responsibility in, as being an adult man or woman. It's already in charge, wounded as it may be. It may be wounded, it may be damaged, it may have old commitments to get revenge, but this thing is still in charge. So, so the whole concept of trying to find your inner child and trying to trying to heal it or grant it, you know, hold, hug it together. This is a, this is a, in my opinion, a damaging meme from the field of ordinary psychology. And some people get upset when I mention that, but I just wanted to suggest the possibility that it could be a damaging meme that's so popular almost it goes without saying. It is so popular that meme goes without saying. And at the same time, I'm saying it's damaging to carry that meme around with you because it blocks you from entering, from graduating out of adolescence into something else. I'll just say it again. A, an initiatory process is the formal, irrevocable procedure through which the child part of us is permanently taken out of power. I mean, think of a little chick coming out of the eggshell. When the chick comes out of the eggshell, it doesn't want, it doesn't need to keep the eggshell around. The eggshell is an artifact that was totally necessary for a while. And then when it's transcended or transformed becomes compost. It's part of the compost pile, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's part of the composting procedure. I read again, during this initiation process, a boy takes his balls back from his mother to become an adult man and a girl takes her center back from her father to enter adult woman. I, I, as an aside, I want to say this is not a one-time thing. You know, I have a list of, I don't know, I don't know how many, over, hun, over hundreds, hundreds of initiatory processes. It's for me, the way I've experienced it has been, there is a beginning to initiation and there is no end. There's definitely a beginning. And that is when you essentially take the steering wheel back from society and you say, and you say, okay, I get to decide. I'm, I, am, I have found the edge of modern culture. I'm entering the path of initiation. In those moments, probably all of you remember those moments when you first started your path of initiation. And the thing is, the path has a beginning, a definite beginning. It's scary as hell. It's, it's a wild adventure. It's unpredictable, uncontrollable. It's a breakthrough, and it never has an end. The initiation path does not end, does not have an end. So, I mean, for me, this is celebratory. It, 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 it reveals the mysteriousness of the universe. 
how complex initiations, ongoing co initiatory processes are. There is no top end. This is the beautiful mis mystery of the universe that there's the consciousness can cannot it doesn't have a, a a top end. You know, some people will use the metaphor of the mountain as a the evolutionary path or the spiritual path or something. And so we have this idea that there's a mountain and a path up the mountain and it takes work and you have to practice and all that. And then you reach some kind of top of the mountain, something like that. And, and the, the point is that that metaphor falls apart when you get to the top of the mountain because there's just another mountain. It just keeps going up. And so, um, from the work that we're involved in here, the, the whole concept of enlightenment doesn't apply. This is not a, a path of enlightenment. This is a path of evolution. And so um, we're not going to have people with smiles on their face on the screen the whole time because they've reached the enlightenment of being a possibility manager or something like that. I mean, more likely it's people come on, you know, and they have tear streaks and they rage creases, you know, and their voice is broken because they've been screaming and sobbing and, and they're so alive that it just crackles, you know, the space around them just crackles with life. You get near them and your the hair stands up on the back of your neck because you don't have any idea what they're going to say next or, or why, or, but, but you know, what you'd want to do is go with them because you know, it's not going to be boring, something like that. So this is this is the this is the initiatory path that this that this is about. So there's no enlightened state in this case. It's a, so if a person survives, you know, if you in the in the indigenous culture, if you survive your rite of passage, a newly formed adult steps back into the village as uh, a, a of the culture of the village, the man or woman style culture of the village. I, I skipped a little part, but I'm jumping ahead here. Radical responsibility is an archetypal term. I want to talk about what we mean by radical responsibility. It's an archetypal term that means to take responsibility for sourcing responsibility. It simply means that you sense into the what what the conditions and you take responsibility for the level of responsibility being taken. Ordinarily, we have learned to live within a system and we uh, assume <clears throat> or assert or pray, <clears throat> we pray that the system is going to take responsibility for us. This, this may be a, an inaccurate prayer in terms of the systems that are currently mostly at work on the planet. I mean, it's a kind of a way to avoid responsibility if you assume that the system will take responsibility for you. Your insurance system, the, the monetary system, the health system, like whatever system you're, you're assuming will take responsibility for you, this is trying to escape radical responsibility. Radical responsibility says, there's no, there's no way out of responsibility for everything going on in your life. We'll, we'll be going more into this because it's more in the archetypal section of, of the book. Archetypal relationship is more about radical responsibility for 
the experience of intimacies in five bodies. That's where we're going. But I want to, we're trying to introduce the possibility of radical responsibility here early on so we can use it. So it's an archetypal term. You do not have to understand this right now. We will investigate radical responsibility and later explore archetypal domains. What you do need to know is that a true initiatory process is of necessity almost incomprehensibly formidable. And without a formal initiatory process into adulthood, we are doomed to the neurotic mediocrity that is all too familiar in our modern world. For 40,000 years, human beings knew that children do not become adult except through formidable rite of passages. We seem to have forgotten. I'm not suggesting that we revert to tribal customs and start living as indigenous people in the bad old days before telephones and running water. I have lived in pre-technical villages in Fiji, Indonesia, Thailand, and the Philippines. And I have seen firsthand what can go on there in the village in terms of nepotism, bigotry, inbreeding, adultery, jealousy, revenge, the worst kind of territorial terrorism. I've seen this happen in the villages, in indigenous villages, I've lived there. In contrast to the verbiage in travel agency brochures, it takes more than palm trees to make paradise. The demand is to create a new initiatory process that is effective for modern needs. Permanently forsaking modern amenities isn't necessary. It's not necessary. A modern, or like I would say next culture, a next culture rite of passage differs from an indigenous rite of passage through what is done with your assemblage points. That's a quote unquote assemblage points. I borrow this term assemblage points from Carlos Castaneda's writings about Don Juan Matus Yaqui Indian teachings. Assemblage points are core reference frames, points of origin. It's a core reference, a core reference frame out of which a human mind and psychology constructs its worldview. During a rite of passage or initiatory process, a person's assemblage points are brought into serious disorganization and then are re-solidified into a new relationship to each other and to the energetic world. I can see. In, in indigenous rites of passage, indigenous initiatory processes, the assemblage points are taken out of the mother and welded into the complete identification with the village's traditional worldview and customs. This strategy constrains the young man or woman to think, Thank you. I'll read that again. Once, when your, when your assemblage points are welded into the village's traditions, then 
the young man or woman is constrained to think, feel, and behave within strict norms of men or women of that tribe. When each new adult does things the way they have always been done, this assures the continued survival of the village. Traditional in initiatory processes have duplicated this strategy for hundreds of thousands of years and succeed marvelously in two conditions. One is that the culture itself is noble, that the culture is worth duplicating. And the second condition is it works to duplicate a culture in an environment that is not rapidly evolving. So we don't have either of those two conditions. Modern culture is not regenerative. It's not even sustainable. So therefore it's not worth duplicating. And our conditions are rapidly evolving on the planet. So all many things are changing on the planet. So we can't just duplicate an already existing culture. We need to invent the next one. <clears throat> I'm reading from the book. In Bali, for example, in the North Philippines and in Southern China, probably all over Southeast Asia, there are gigantic cascades of emerald green rice terraces that have been painstakingly hacked out of the sides of mountains using only primitive hand tools for 3,000 years, these terraces have grown through careful planning in how the water flows from rice paddy to rice paddy so that all the rice paddies are equally flooded. A, a, a family, a different family owns each section of the rice paddies. The man at the bottom rice paddy is in charge of the water flow through all the rice paddies. Because he is the last man in line for water, he will make sure that after everybody else gets water, he also gets water in his paddy. That culture must keep doing what it has always done. So the villagers' long proven terracing system continues to grow enough rice to eat. To slow down evolution, the village culture uses a rite of passage to lock new adults into the belief systems and worldviews of their traditional culture and times. For a village culture, this traditional form of initiatory process makes total sense. For modern, for next culture, it does not. It does not make sense. Initiating a boy or girl into their fully functional adult potential in next culture in the hyper-evolving next culture requires rites of passage with a different strategy. The, the modern rite of passage, the, the next culture, sorry, the next culture rite of, I'm sorry to be confusing while I'm reading this because I'm, I have to change a bunch of words around because I'm talking about indigenous culture and next culture and modern culture, which is the modern Western civilization. Next culture rites of passage have a different strategy. The strategy must be just as formidable as an indigenous rite of passage because the shock of groundlessness is needed to loosen our assemblage points from their original childhood formation. But 
rather than welding a young person's liquefied assemblage points back into the culture's indigenous traditional limits, the next culture rite of passage establishes the new assemblage points in the evolutionary possibilities of the archetypal man and the archetypal woman at their center. We only vaguely know what this means. I mean, I've learned a lot since I wrote this, but the assemblage points are put back into your center, making you radically responsibility, radically responsible for your life, radically responsible for your decisions about the culture that you live in. You get to choose the culture that you live in rather than copying the indigenous culture of your parents. So that's the difference between the indigenous initiatory processes and next culture initiatory processes. Modern culture has no initiatory processes at all. The difficulty in continuing this discussion is that any rite of passage created within a patriarchy will avoid providing irrefutable clarity that the patriarchy is itself childish. The patriarchy promotes the patriarchy, not the transformation of the patriarchy. We are in a delicate time in which the habits of present Western civilization are not sustainable. It is crucial for the world's survival that the patriarchy itself goes through a rite of passage into adulthood. It can't, just to say this clearly. The patriarchy cannot become something other than the patriarchy because it's designed to defend itself. I'm reading from the book, the transformation happens only when you as an individual male or female member of modern culture take personal radical responsibility and arrange for yourself to go through your initiatory processes into adulthood, which occur beginning at the edge of modern culture and out into the unknowns of next culture. Modern culture will not arrange this for you. You have to do it for yourself. Revolutions are not commonly started by the aristocracy. Does that make sense? The aristocracy is not the source of revolutions. It's you guys. It's us. The people at the edge. It's the edge workers doing revolution. So how are we men and women to grow up within the patriarchy? How do we arrange to embark on our own rite of passage? I would pause here and check into how we're doing with all this. So clearly, I just want to mention clearly, this part of the book bridges what we've been working with for weeks here into something else. So to, to look at the possibility of adulthood initiatory processes is, is not contained in modern culture thoughtware. It is not even included at all. So just to have the conversation, is it possible to grow up? Is it possible to become an adult man or woman? That conversation is not inside of modern culture at all. Does anybody have anything up about this you want to talk about or share or ask about? Clinton. Hi. Uh, I'm thinking here that uh, mm, 
maybe we we've been already uh, being initiated but on patriarchy so when 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 we think on on the next culture initiation or any kind of initiation for that matter actually i i i, I feel that it's an initiation not because we we haven't been initiated but because we have to be initiated on another kind of thinking because we we, we have been initiated on patriarchy thinking since we we're a child so because i was i was striving here uh, on nature like if when we see other realms on when we see nature we we don't see rite of passages we don't see but uh but as humans i believe like if we want to build another culture yes then we need the right of passages i don't know if i'm on the right track but i i think i feel that it makes total sense what, what i hear you saying is that modern culture the capitalist patriarchal empire has tried to bring us into functionality which is survival survivalhood within the capitalist patriarchal empire whatever role we play in that so either a consumer or a uh, some kind of a pro production productive agent in the capitalistic machine you know you wake up every morning go do your job produce something that can be sold to somebody for profit you get paid so many dollars per hour and then you go home and you try to figure out what you're doing with your life you know that you're trying to earn enough money to live in a house that you don't get to live in because you're at work all the time or sleeping things like that yeah we've been heavily indoctrinated starting at school and all the media and all that to become part of that culture and you're calling that initiation into that culture makes total sense to me thank you okay thank you nicole yeah this is in line with what i've been thinking and what I'm getting back kind of is that if, if an initiation process is about moving your center somewhere, like as children, we had all these grueling experiences where we decided to survive, to give our center away. And then we had these kind of other initiations where we gave our center, like instead of giving it to our parents, we gave it to the man, you know, to, politics to capitalism to jobs to and if 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 what we're talking about in regard to next culture is that we're taking our center back it it makes so much sense to me and it also makes sense to me as i notice myself in this kind of like pivotal place where instead of giving my center to a, a new group of hippie people who are doing new things i'm i'm actually like keep getting it back from there and I'm getting it back. I'm not giving my center to possibility management or to Clinton or to, I'm, I'm, I'm having my center and that makes me an agent of new culture. Thank you. <clears throat> I would throw in two other words that I've been thinking about also. One of them is authority. So it's not just when you're taking back your center, you're taking back your authority, which is a, an incredible thing to take back. And it's usually step by step. Like I take back my authority from the plumber when I learn to 
solder pipes together and put a new sink in and, and fix the toilet and things like that. So then I take my authority back from, from the imported vegetables from Holland when I plant, I rip out my lawn and I put in a vegetable garden and learn to grow potatoes and carrots and cabbage right there in my backyard. I take my authority back. And another one that I've been really starting to work with is values is to choose the values that I value, to become aware of how my behavior manifests in, in what I value, and then to, to, to act on, to choose and act on my own values, regardless of other people, what other people value. I mean, it's a, it's a huge thing. Like, um, there's a word that I use, which is zombie. And it's a, a hard word at first until you realize that a zombie does what a zombie does. I mean, how else can it be? So you don't have to, you don't have to judge a, a zombie good or bad or right or wrong. A zombie is a zombie. And it's easy to define a zombie in terms of modern culture because a zombie plays in game worlds that they're not, they have not taken responsibility for the values in those game worlds. So they're serving values that they haven't chosen. They're serving values unconsciously. So a person serving unconscious values uh, they're given to them by the game world is a zombie. And then so by taking the way you heal yourself from being a zombie is you start noticing the values that are being served in every single one of the game worlds that you play in. The bank, the post office, the credit cards, the tennis shoes, the the gasoline in the car, the advertising, the video, media, music, the whole, every single one of the game worlds that you play in, look, you, you distinguish, distill out the values of the game world and go, okay, do I want to serve this value? Is this my value? Is this a true value of mine? Yes or no? And these are not easy questions. To, to step into at the same time when when you take when you step into radical responsibility this is part of it this is part of it and it's it turns out to be so I mean in my experience it's so rewarding to to have clarity about what your values are where where you're placing your authority who has authority and 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 uh, I encourage people as often as possible to do that, to participate in that. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking in traditional cultures with initiations, the individual leaves the tribe, gets initiated and comes back. And what's so terrifying about this is that there is no tribe to come back to. Or very few. Well, there's 40. 40 people. <laughs> I mean, how big do you want your tribe to be? <laughs> well, it'd be nice if they were in one place. Well, okay, okay. It's okay. Make the place. <laughs> just not in the United States, okay? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. 
like, like we really do need demonstration centers. We need initiation centers. Really, we do. And there's some, some showing up around. I mean, in a couple of weeks, and Chloe and I and Vera um, Franco, I don't know if you're on here right now, but the three of us are going to an eco-village called Schloss Glarizeg in Switzerland. And we're going in there to deepen the context of their game world, to help them check, to compare their codex, which is the rules of engagement of their game world, the values of their game world, to their behavior of the people there. Because what happens is when new people come in, old people go, it, it, things get diluted. And, the, and so every few years they call us in to, to clean up Dodge City, to clarify, um, to clarify the condition. And they, when we just talked to the space holders for the game world a couple of days ago, the, they said, you know, back in, in 2000 and, 15 you came here and this and this changed and then 2017 you came here and this and this changes and you got to come in here and um, it's <clears throat> it's a it's a a scary powerful procedure for a game world to call in agents of clarity and transformation to do the work of um, facilitating this this deep delicate painful um, and enlightening kind of work of how are we doing? How are we doing in um, being ourselves? So, you know, an individual, like each of us gets to do that work with ourselves. How am I, how am I doing being myself? What a great question. And so we can help each other in that question. I mean, I think that's what happens when you, when you feel this, some kind of reactivity or emotional reaction, you call two people up and say, can you take me through this process? How am I doing being myself? What a great question. They go, well, what is it? What are you? You know, what is it to be yourself? And what are you doing? And then you can compare these two things. Like, how, you know, how am I doing being myself? What a great question. And then you can do it also at a project level as an organization, as a, um, in, in a, as a game world. How, am I, how are we doing being ourselves? This is a fantastic um, evolutionary format. So I'm, I'm thinking that a number of you are agents of this kind of a service for people. So there's people all over the world who need these services, both individually and as organizations for you to come in. After, you know, even when you're in the hamburger machine, I mean, th this does not mean you have it figured out. I want to be I want to say this over and over again. I do not have it figured out, you know, and Chloe, she might have it figured out, but I don't have it figured out. <laughs> you know, I, I'm in the hamburger machine, you know, and, and uh, you have to see the, you shouldn't see the, um, what's that movie called? <laughs> One where the guy gets ground up in the hamburger machine. Anyway, this is where, this is my life, and yet I, I have to go in there and hold space, and I'm not putting on a show. There is no show. It's not like, yeah, the Kingsman number two. Um, it, isn't, it isn't that Soylent Green. God, Scott, don't say that. Um, um, it isn't that I have it together, like I know the way. There is no way. It's, I just wrote this thing, is like um, a procedure is not a method. A procedure is not a method. So it, it's like 
you may know a procedure for a process, but it cannot be a method or it's dead. So, so, so the work of a possibility manager, a possibilitator, the work that you guys do to help each other and to help other organizations does not come from a method. At the same time, there are signposts. There's mad, sad, glad, and scared. There is it a feeling or an emotion? You know, are, are you avoiding responsibility or taking responsibility? What's your purpose? What's the purpose behind what you just, you know, where, what's your intention? So these are, these are procedures navigating to the liquid state. That's a procedure. You know, using golden keys, like using a, a completion loop is a golden key. That is a procedure. It is not a method. And so um, this, the, to facilitate evolution requires a certain skill set that doesn't come from uh, a method. And, and yeah, so, so same with initiatory processes. There, there are certain names of processes and there's no method. And so um, the liveliness, the aliveness of the process for ourselves, it can feel so alive, it's devastating. It can feel so alive, like, who am I now? And you just asked the question five minutes before, and you thought you had an answer. Now it's like, okay, now who am I? It's, this is how alive the evolutionary process is. And to, to try to be functioning in a world where you think you're supposed to have your act together is modern culture uh, show business. It's modern culture um, illusions of you, you throw actors and musicians up on screens and politicians and, and they do all this talk and this, um, this fireworks show. And then, but in their real lives, you know, in, in to sit with them at breakfast, you know, it's a hell world or it's confusion or so, so the hobby that we talked about here, this hobby that we have of, of being in the evolutionary process is not comfortable by any, by any means. It's not, it's not about being comfortable at the same time when the rug is pulled out and, and we're dropping into, we don't know what nothingness or the void or we're dropping onto spikes or poison spikes, or I don't, you know, it just, we're just dropping, that's all we know. And then, you know, we, we start going like this and, and it, it doesn't really help. And um, that, that whole thing is one of the skill sets of being involved in, in entering adulthood where, where we're in a, in a times of it's necessary to invent next culture together. It's a time where the culture that we were born and raised in isn't, does not suffice in who's supplying the next culture. Well, guess what? The one who's supplying the next culture is the one who asked who's supplying next culture. The one who has the awareness to ask the question, it's your job. You, you feel the necessity of it. And, and this is it. This is the drive behind it is that, hey, it's necessary and here I am. Can I rise to the occasion? Can I invent the bridges? Can I make the procedures even knowing though they're not a method, even though it's not a dogma? It isn't, it isn't a catechism. There isn't a solution. There's, what there is is working together and, and, and evolving together and building out next culture. So, gosh, who, who else wants to say something?
We're getting to the 7.30 point. So anybody who has to leave at 7.30, thank you for being here. We will keep diving deeper into these questions together. Thank you. I have figured to make a request to the men in the group. I'd like, my request is that you could create a virtual online group for our boys that maybe the group's called Taking Our Balls Back, where it's a space where um, UPM people can stay with our boys and ask them dangerous questions and create some um, nonlinear experiments with them and then have them make commitments to try things throughout the month and then come back monthly. Can I ask you a question about that, Janet? Because maybe you have some clarity about something that keeps stopping me with that. Sure. And it, the, the question I'm asking you is, if it works, if this stuff works, you know, a young boy, for example, comes into contact with men from next culture who are on the path of initiation, and the men call new parts of them to life, and they spend two days together or some time working together, and this is so great, and then we send them back to school. Monday morning, they need to go back to the prison and, and, and submit themselves, submit those, their soul to the machine, you know, and submit their newfound ability to speak or feel or perceive or ask questions to like submit that back to the system of conformity <clears throat> and oppression, basically. Like, I'm stuck there. Do you, what? So, I mean, I can speak for myself. Uh, if my child came to me and said, mom, I don't want to go to school anymore, done. But I need it to be with anger, like conscious anger with clarity. I would need there to be clear, like fear, like these, so one of my children told dad, dad, I don't want to be, I don't want to live with you anymore. I want to live with mom full time. And it took him nine months to have that kind of anger and clarity. And dad respected it and heard it. And now they, they get together. But like, I, that's the kind of like, if a child came to me and said, this is where I'm at, like, there'd be no question for me. I, I unschooled my kids until I got divorced. So that, this is easy for me. It's not always available for all parents. Um, so I think that if the men were, they can make requests of the parents, like, you know, like what you're saying, would you be willing to go like a, a really create the space? Like a, it's dangerous. Like, are you, I think there's a responsibility on us to, to work with the men on this, like, or at least as a mother, um, I would love the clarity of that put back on me. And then I could enter into consciously and say yes or no. Would you be willing to repeat the first offer that you made? Because I kind yeah. of interrupted and, and sidetracked the thing. Could you just start over? Yeah. So I'm feeling fear of making a request for the men here in the space and broadly. For you to, and I'm, I'm asking monthly, at this point, to be a virtual opportunity experience for our 18 and under boys to get together to ask them dangerous questions and create nonlinear experiences. Janet. Yes. Uh, I feel very touched uh, 
of what you're saying. I was thrilled when you start to to talk about that because my son, I have uh, married and I have an eight-year-old boy son. And uh, this touches me because I see every day all the things that he goes on the school and I keep asking myself this question. And uh, I'm a psychologist and uh, I also make therapy with uh, under 18. And I, 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 I try to follow the same logic, like they cannot, they cannot change the culture on the school. But I, 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 I saw that, I see that with my son, that he's able when, he's, when he has background, when he has, like he can lay on the shoulder to discuss things that say son or person, uh, this is not a good logic. How do you feel on this logic? So, so like, like we are trying to do here, that it's open a next culture inside of culture, like, like when a forest begins. Uh, I, I, that touches me very much because I, I try to do that with my son every day. And I can only do that with on a clinic with my, my personal uh, patients and, uh, that moves me because I think they need that, but they need the, the problem is I don't I don't think it will be school because because I see my son my son says like on the teacher he 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 jumps on the teacher and says you cannot do this please do that and uh, and other other kids like they feel and the girls also say oh the the, the boys are jerks and and says oh Benicio is not a jerk so we listen that because he, he doesn't fight the girls and stuff so i think we're 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 trying to do a good work with him but i see that other other boys start to to deal with him and and they start to discuss between them so i think that it's possible to make an next culture or, and change inside the main problem on on when i make this kind of therapy with under 18s is that they start to challenge the fathers, not the school. And that's the, big, the biggest problem because when they start not questioning school, uh, but they question the fathers and the fathers don't like, they just say, oh, let's end this. I cut your money and you don't go to therapy anymore. And that, that's the main problem. I don't, I don't, from my point of view, I don't see that the school is a problem itself because I believe you can build, the, a child can build an ex culture that if he has background. But with the parents, that's, I think that would be the, the biggest. But I, 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 I personally would like to learn some, or think about some methodology to make a group and what to say to the parents. Look, your sons are going to start to asking questions. They are going to bother because if the parents don't participate, they'll just cut, like they do on therapy, they cut. So I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm just sharing what I feel about that because that interests me a lot. I'd, I'd like to respond non-linearly to you. I'm not sure if this is helpful, but this generation, the Gen Z, there's some really unique things about their relationship with death and with danger that I've been learning about that they, they're different like death is a kind of a joke or at least like like they're they're wanting to experience there's an edge there and they're primed for this at least my my boys there's like this they so they go to video games because they can find that edge there but they don't know that they can have it 
and I think parents don't like are, are so lost and I don't even understand that they're working through all of this. And so that that's the appeal. I, it would be an appeal for me. Naomi, I saw your hand up. Could you just wait a second? I would like to just men sometimes take longer to answer questions like this. So could you give the men a little space and see if anybody else goes first? Okay, Naomi, thanks. Then we'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. Pontus, go ahead. Uh, Janet, I feel joy hearing this challenge. Uh, I, uh, when you said boys, I was thinking uh, not teenagers. <clears throat> and then I heard you saying teenagers as well, like under 18. Uh, I have a fear of uh, not being able to connect with, with boys who are not teenagers. My fear is that um, they will not see the value or they, they, do, they will not perceive the need of being in such a call. With teenagers, I can see, I'm imagining a lot of needs and I can see why they would like to speak with an elder. Uh, um, I'm, I'm curious to explore uh, possibilities around this and I just wanted to express my fears. Um, I'd like to understand more the vision of this. Um, these teenagers or boys that we're talking about, would they be, would they be wanting this or would they be more or less corralled into doing this? Um, because if they're corralled, I, I don't see it working. It's going to be like a church service, <laughs> uh, particularly with men that don't really know how to give a service. So maybe you can help explain more the the prayer. My son, yeah. Sorry Thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, my son last night was crying to me. He was feeling so much sadness because he has no connection. And he's, Mom, I need to do something. I'm, I'm tired of my video games. I'm tired, like, I have no one to talk to. I can't see my friends. I'm stuck at home. They, because of COVID, he can't see his friends. He's like, play with me, do something with me. There's this desperate, like, it's, and it's, it's actually a call to become alive. It's a call to, I want, I need risk. I need something that's worth living for. And, and that, that's the, that's like, these kids are begging for something that's alive because they're tired of their games. Are they looking for internal stuff as opposed, or are they looking for external stuff? That's um, both. Yeah. Like they, they have feelings and big feelings and they want to talk about that. At least mine do. My three boys are big on that and they they also want to be expressive and do something can i go clinton go ahead door yeah janet uh... I would love to to do it. It sounds that 
it will be interesting an adventure and a good way to explore a lot of things and to do it so thank you for asking them and Kay, thanks for your comment and also vicente they how can they ask for something they don't know exists and so even just that's a really important part of it too I'm a yes, Janet. Uh, I want to share something. My father recently said something really meaningful and sweet to me. I was talking about a moment when I was a kid and there was an adult male and I was basically reflecting on how uh, it could have been a moment where this adult male had done something or said something that could have changed the trajectory, could have made contact with me, could have done all this stuff with me to help me through a difficult moment. And he did something very different. And I was talking to my dad about this in the context of, I just couldn't see very far outside of what I was talking about. My father said, maybe it's time for you to be the adult who shows up for the kid. Um, I, I have no idea what it is to be a man. I, I after these calls, it's fall, it's really falling apart, and I don't care. I wish to be there for the next generation. These boys, they have awesome feedback to adults. They 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 have a lot to say because they're experiencing the pain and it hasn't totally shut down yet. Jen, Janet, <clears throat> yeah, we've talked a bit. I haven't listened to your most recent voice message, so I don't know if but yeah, I, I'm like in my being, I'm a yes. And my main fears are around the integrity, building an, basically a game world for this in integrity. Mm. What's like, what's the purpose of how to build the game world for it, how to build a, a space to welcome these boys into, how to make the invitation to them. And uh, yeah, who's, who's holding space for it and, and what's our dedication basically. So I do, I want to propose a call between the men to explore this, those who want to, and I can be a space holder for this and I welcome uh, any men who are interested in that to send me a message on WhatsApp and we will, so you can just look Scott East up on the WhatsApp group or I'll, I'll send a message just as a reminder for that for the men and, and we can arrange a call for context setting and for, yeah, next steps. I'd like to throw out a dangerous possibility of creating a Minecraft server where you create a village together and you talk and you do discord and you communicate and you play and you 
and you create responsibility around creating a village. <laughs> I, I have played Minecraft before. That's an interesting possibility. Thank you. Pontus, you were going to say something? Um, yeah, I had a possibility, but I can weave it into Scott East's uh, call. And it, it's been a book idea I've been having the, the last week, and it's interviewing a lot of people and asking them what they wanted, what kind of advice they would have given their 22-year-old self and changing that 22-year-old self into 18-year-old or 16-year-old or 8-year-old. And uh, as we were talking, I kind of changed that into like having a storytelling Zoom call where uh, men would tell a five to 10 minute story from their own life and then kind of like asking the boys of like um, what they hear, what's, what's in it for them. Um, but under all this, I kind of see this um, a, a need for programs uh, from the possibility management to geared towards the younger generations um, so they don't go through 30 years of life of missed out moments until they find the need to be in this call. Thank you. Naomi, go ahead. Thank you. I'm feeling fear because I feel like this topic is so big and I just remember feeling this when I was feeling this urge of, of knowing there was something bigger and, and, and trying to create it in the ways that I managed for myself with whatever modern culture means. Um, uh, and there's two things I would like to say or propose. Like one of them is when I was listening to the different people contributing, I was imagining a parent support group for the parents whose kids would be engaging in this. Um, I would love to be part of that and help create it. Um, and maybe even a group that reaches out to parents because I personally know people who unschool their children or who want to, but who have been very alone in trying to create that. And there's organizations that help them but that are often very also modern culture based so just like um if we want the children to be on board we also need the parents to be on board so a group around that and the other thing is once uh, when i was younger i i re read a, a book called no more turning away which i found a beautiful book which is uh, basically a man who found a way created a way to work with the like not workable children of schools and he would just find ways to work with these children. Um, and one of the things he did was pair up like teenage boys with very little boys, because the little boys would have a mentor and someone to look up to and someone they trusted more than adults and who stood closer to them. And the teenage boys had someone to look after, somebody who was reflecting to them their own pain and their own struggles and so cute and so small and that it was just giving wonderful results. So I was thinking, 
can we not like engage and uh, with teenagers to let them do the work? And I would have been so thrilled for someone to have that trust in me at that age, no? So these were just my ideas for now. Um, I will be reaching out on WhatsApp, like, is there people that want to start that parent group and brainstorm about that? <clears throat> okay, so I will write about that in WhatsApp and then we can connect. Thank you. I can't see everybody's hand, so if, if you wanted to say something, just start, just go ahead. Hi, this is Maria. Um, I, uh, um, I feel. We just, we just went camping. It's actually, it is about feelings and emotions, but I, I just feel some uh, fear and excitement to be a part of this conversation and to open my mouth. Um, we went camping a, for a couple days and we were just um, car camping, which is something I have like not done a lot in my life and had a lot of judgments about. about. And um, we were, we arrived and the minute we let Valentino out of the car, my son, he's nine months old tomorrow. He was like in the wilderness all of a sudden. And we were really close to a road. So I could like, even though it was, in the mountains, I still could hear the sounds. I just noticed over these couple of days how, um, how much I was in my stories about everything that like kind of prevented me from being fully present with the earth and the space that we were in. And Valentino was like fully in the wilderness, like in the dirt and like putting everything in his mouth and <laughs> exploring all over the place and our friend's dog also was just is like usually kind of a lap dog and he was like chasing squirrels and all over the place like the reason why i felt or the purpose of sharing this was just to reflect on the nature of um child of like childhood as like pre resentment like pre story creating resentment and like i have all of these resentments of modern culture that create stories so i can't be fully present in the wilderness like my child was able to be and so there's like something about letting them lead because we don't have the technology we're trying to gather the technology that they already have to like be adults and they have a lot a lot already in them to to share and reflect and offer so it's like we don't have to invent it for them we can just find ways to listen like that's yeah. Yeah. thank you thank you Um, I'm afraid to speak, but I would just like to share that I feel such a strong pull to this 
work with children and I don't really understand what's going on but it just it feels really strong and important to me and I'm just so appreciative that it came up like this in the call today that I was able to recognize for myself just how strong it feels for me and I'm I'm 23 years old I don't have children I'm I'm young um but it's just so it I it's like beyond comprehension for me but it's just so present <sighs> thank you and I I'm just I would love to be involved with things going on around it in the community right now. Um, yeah. Thank you, Mia, for jumping in, just letting people know that you did your experiment and it'd be great to hear what you learned. <clears throat> it, it's not surprising to me that that this is what's happened after the part of the book we read. Because e each one of us here is is here, I think, because of the pain of having given our censure away and, and, and having had those painful experiences of childhood that we want to kind of have the do over for that, that our space holding and coaching practices are giving us the chance to go back into those old emotions and get change those decisions which so far for me have all been about giving my center away letting someone else decide and and that those of us who are parents especially especially mothers perhaps who have watched our children give their centers away to their fathers and their schools and their coaches and and their, and then even their friends too which brings a whole another dimension to it that i mean we i think we all have that that deep desire to see something different happen and where winning can happen and where children can you know like grow up into adults without having this grown-up period of time where we're not adults and then have the consequences occur on on each other on the flora and fauna and and again i i don't know if there's time but i that's what i want to spend the rest of my life doing i know that And it, uh, at this point in the conversation, it, it feels to me like there's this volcano erupting and it touches me a lot. I'm inspired and excited and I feel connected to you guys really at a deep level because I had a childhood also that was unsupported by men and adults and I was not seen and I had so many things to try and had no way to try them except to, to lie and do it invisibly out in my 
laboratory behind my parents' house. And I so much appreciate the visible commitment and I just want to get out of the way so next things can happen. So thank you for being you and stepping forward and playing full out even if we don't know how and I'll see you next week. What a team. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Much love. Appreciation. Much love from New Zealand. <laughs> Brazil. America. Thanks, Sandra, for showing up from California. <laughs> you work with teenagers. We need you here. Thank you for showing up. Mexico. I can't hear you, Sandra. You're, you're on mute. I see your lips. Thank you for having me. This is very touching and a great surprise, Mia. Like always, you always tag me to the right connections. That's why we weavers. need the village weavers, yeah. <laughs> That's my lineage. Love you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Everyone. Bye. Bye-bye from Berlin. <laughs>